eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time. time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl-winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome to another edition of the Love of the Star podcast. I am one part of this podcast. Bobby Belt, Dallas Scout was insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. You can follow me on Twitter at BobbyBeltTX, joined as always by uh, my co-host, Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout, co-host of the G-Bag Nation on 105 Through the Fan in Dallas, 2 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, and you can follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Broaddus. That's Brian with a Y and uh, two Ds in Broaddus. Uh, Brian, how you enjoying uh, camp so far? You know what? I am enjoying camp very much. Now that we're into this, the padded practice phase, you get a little bit better idea of what direction they might be going with some of these guys. And this is where it really starts, Bobby, and for those out there who follow us, the direction of guys making the roster or not making the roster. And again, practice, uh, appearance, practice of how you practice, it means a lot. It, it gives you that impression as a personnel guy, can these guys handle the pads, can they handle the workload? Can they handle the mental part of things? You know, the practice is, to me, is super, super important. You get in these preseason games. But this is where players will either make the team or cut themselves. You know, everybody says, oh, it's going to be a hard cut and all that. A lot of times, you know, and we'll get into it when we get closer to that final cut down. I have a feeling there will be a lot of guys where we'll say, well, what about this guy? Well, he cut himself. You know, it, he didn't practice well enough or – Hey, he practiced great, and and he's able to stay on. He had good practices against the the Broncos and the Chargers. Played well in the preseason, deserving an opportunity. So, this is what I really do love about it: when you can get on those pads, and then the workload becomes even bigger and then more important. We we talked on uh, yesterday's episode about how the offense had a great day on Monday their yeah. best day by far they, by far the offensive line w- was great uh Dak was you know one of for me at least it's one of the better practices I've seen from him uh in his time here because we've talked before he's not the greatest practice player that's not really been his strength over the years he's more of a gamer uh, but he looked really great you know threading the needle in several throws the receivers looked really good uh 
yesterday's practice, Brian, was uh, the complete opposite. Yeah. The defense had a complete handle on the offense. And I mean every single unit. First team, second team, third team. It was the defense all day long, particularly in the trenches. Mm -hmm. I saw, uh, just to give you guys an idea of what kind of a day we had yesterday, uh, Tyron Smith was beat three times that I saw. uh, And Quentin Bohanna, who who had trouble last year, you know, staying on the field uh, because of his play, struggled with some of, uh, even though he's a big guy, struggled with some of his stuff at the point of the attack last year in games. He put Zach Martin on the ground at one point. And so, yeah. I mean, that, that tells you when Zach Martin's ending up on the ground in some of these reps, I think you just go, okay, this is not the day for the offensive line. Yeah, you're looking for a foot that he tripped over or something like yes. that. I mean, you know, that's usually like, whoa, what just happened there? But, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think what's been the pattern through these practices, whether it was the helmets and the jerseys and now into pads, that the secondary is not making it easy on Dak to throw the ball. And, I, yeah. and, it, and it might not be, you know, because of, well, what's the quality of the receiver running the route? I don't think you can blame it on that. No. Because there have been some days where you know, Lamb has found a way to, to, you know, to get into his route. Has the coverage been outstanding? Yes, it has. Uh, you know, you look at, uh, you know, some of the other the other guys. Uh, Noah Brown has had a really good camp yeah. so far. Yeah. But they've made it difficult on him. There's been some contested balls that he's had to deal with. Uh, you know, yesterday's practice was a great example of how your front seven and then your secondary work together. and Because there were several times where – Quarterbacks had to move, slide, roll out. There's just not a lot of space yeah. for these receivers. And there's not a lot of space for not only Dak Prescott to throw the ball, but Cooper Rush or or any of the other quarterbacks that get a rep out there. Yeah, this that was a obviously they're not bringing the quarterback to the ground in these right. practices. There were several times yesterday where the play would have been dead. Blown dead, they, yeah. Because, you know, Micah Parsons was really, really great. Dorrance Armstrong was great. I know I heard you given. Uh, not just for the way he played in against you know with the pass rush, but the way he played against Dante Fowler. Yeah, I know you felt like Fowler was doing a really good job getting yeah. around blocks in the run game. I, I mean, it was whether they were running the ball, whether they were throwing the ball, it was defense all day long, even in seven on seven. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know you were sitting up in the bleachers with me. Uh, you we, or I was sitting up the bleachers with you. You went up there first. This was your idea. I want to be clear. Uh, but we're up there getting the all twenty-two look basically mm-hmm. at the top of the bleachers instead of being field level. And uh, seven on seven was dominated by Jordan Lewis. Right. Jordan Lewis had a pick in the flat, which an interception in the flat is one of the more difficult ones, I think, to scoop up, especially mm-hmm. in seven on seven. Um, and then he had two other pass breakups. I think one was on Cooper Rush, but yeah. he got a second on on Dak. And so it was on all types of different receivers. I think one was intended for Tolbert, one was intended for Lamb, then one was intended for Zeke or Dowdle. Um, and so... Jordan Lewis, I thought, really stood out yesterday uh, as, a, as a big practice player. Oso Digizua continues to to just dominate. And I know you pointed out yesterday, it's been a good camp for these defensive tackles, but yesterday especially, the defensive tackles were fantastic. Yeah, the Cowboys uh, offensively tried to put the ball on the edge a couple of different times and just at that three technique, whether it was – uh, Osa, uh, Tristan Hill, you know, they had success of beating that scoop block, reach block, whatever they were dealing with, 
you know, the centers, the guards, they just didn't do a very good job of sorting out what was happening at that one technique at nose and then also the three on that outside shoulder. It was very, very difficult for them. They're, they're every, you know, when whoever had the ball, you know, whether it was Zeke or Pollard, it just really, really didn't matter them trying to get the ball to the outside. There was somebody coming up the field that it would have been, you know, pretty close to being either uh, a minus two or tripping the guy up yep. to somebody else or slowing him up so somebody else could get to the ball. I'll tell you where the defense was really good yesterday as well. How many times did you and I up up top see safeties fill in the alley? Yeah, you know, and like you know that that to me was super super impressive. Whether it's J. Ron Curse, whether it was Bell, I mean these Bell guys. Was, Bell was I noticed I mean, Bell a lot yesterday. These guys were flying downhill, and you know Dan Quinn puts those safeties in that linebacker role or moves them close enough to the line of scrimmage where they can attack. And, man, I mean, it, you know, and, and those guys are taking on pulling guards yep. and tackles and stuff like that. Tight ends out there on the edge, and they're getting off blocks, and they're meeting the ball at the, or near the line of scrimmage. It was a, uh, like we said, it was a rough day for the offense. I don't know about for you. Uh, it, I'm trying to think of offensive players that I felt like, okay, at least they had a, a steady day. Um, I thought the only running back that seemed like he was getting anything was Dowdle. Yeah, he, the quickness. There's something about him, and I think you've pointed this out in other uh, uh, broadcasts that we've done, of how physically he looks. He looks slimmer. He looks quicker. Uh, There's a little bit of more of that elusiveness to his game. It's not just handing the ball, put the foot in the ground, and make a cut. There's a little bit of that wiggle to him when you watch him run. Yeah, he he can get inside and he can weave his way through defenders. He does not go down just with like a, no, a shoulder no, tackle. Not or at all. You are going to have to wrap him up. Uh, so I thought that Dowdle looked impressive yesterday. I thought Simi Fajoko had another really good practice. Yeah. Um, we finally connected on a deep ball. It was not a DAC one, but it was Cooper Rush down the sideline, and Simi kind of came back. Um, and Simi Fajoko has consistently beaten uh, Kelvin Joseph in these practices. When Joseph yeah. and Fajoko have been next to each other. Now, Kelvin Joseph's done a little bit of the Cheeto Awuzie thing at times where he's been in position and he just doesn't make a play on Can't the ball. finish it, yeah. And and Simi has a couple times, I think on like three of the catches I've seen out here at practice, it's been Kelvin Joseph is there. Kelvin Joseph realistically could have or maybe should have made a play on the ball and Simi's just taken it from him. Like, like just he, he's too much physically for Kelvin Joseph. Uh, so I saw I thought Simi Fajoko was good yesterday. Um Tyler Smith was he he wasn't bad, um, but I didn't he wasn't as dominant as I thought as he had been the on day Monday. Before, right. Yeah, Monday he was really, really good. I saw there was one time we mentioned Marquise Bell. I saw there was one time Marquise Bell was able to just completely slip his block. Yeah. Um but overall, I mean that's that's probably about it. Um in, in terms of guys that were good. And it wasn't I don't want to make it just sound like the trenches were bad, and so that's why Dak wasn't able well, to throw. Dak was missing guys bad yesterday. He did. He did. He did struggle with the accuracy. I think Noah Brown was the guy we continually kind of talk about. I'll tell you another guy that we haven't talked about at all: Brandon Smith, the wide receiver. Yeah, he had the catch of the day. He had a couple of different catches there, and you know, if I could go back to 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 Kelvin Joseph, Kelvin Joseph needs to have some success. I don't know where Kelvin Joseph's confidence is right now. Because when you watch those plays, and it's happened to him quite a bit, he'll make a he'll be in position, but he can't get the ball knocked away. Yeah. Or he can't, you know, 
And, and what happens to him as well, we've got the NFL officials here. He gets called for holding. You know, he yes. gets called for holding more than you would want. A lot and, of flags yesterday, yeah, period, by the yeah. way. Yeah, and so I, I, I do worry. I think the thing that Kelvin Joseph is struggling with the most right now, he just needs to find a way to make a play or two because I don't think his confidence is great right now. No, and obviously there's there's a a lot that has been going on with Kelvin Joseph this offseason and dealing with injuries and uh you know I know they they had their questions last year about his maturity and about how he handled his opportunities. He's he's been second team. I'm sure that's frustrating him. He he's a big believer in his own abilities. Um and so that that's something that I'm sure has, has been tough for him, but you know that's he has to earn trust from this coaching staff before he's going to get the opportunities yeah, that he and, wants. And, and again, there's pr- plenty of practices. There's working against the Broncos, the Chargers, those preseason games. But, you know, they're going to they're gonna need him to make some plays. They're going to need him to step up for sure. Bobby, if we could turn to the kicking situation. I know, Ooh, I know do we, we have to? Well, I know we've <laughs> only, you know, we're kind of working through our first segment here. But to me, you know, I've, I've made it a point to try and watch these guys warm up and see how they do. And then I've made it a point to yesterday I stood under the goalpost. And as you mentioned, I was yes, up. I'm, I'm going to be filming you, by the way, because I want I want the fans to see you playing referee and giving Todd the, Archer the yeah, good or if no you, good If sign. you follow Todd Archer on Twitter and he posts his numbers, Todd and I are working. I, I'm the referee under the goalpost to tell him if it's no good or not. So, uh, But yesterday was not a very good. Now, I will say this. And... The, the kicking situation was into a breeze. Yes. And if you've ever been, and a lot of you haven't been here to Oxnard, there's trees that are behind the goalpost, and then there's a breeze that comes basically off like the ocean that, yeah. that comes over the top of those trees. The cool wind. And the cool, it's a very cool wind. And, you know, if you watch the ribbons, they're, they're you know, they're extended. Yeah, and I think McCarthy, especially in those, the, what did the, what's he call it, the magic, the mojo moment, the mojo moment. I think that there was some of those mojo moments where he put his kickers in some terrible situations to try and make field goals into a breeze that wasn't going to allow it. Because yeah. these guys do have strong legs. Garibay is a strong leg, and and the ball is short with him. You know, and they're, I mean, they are hammering the ball from. 48, 50 yards, and it's not even getting close. Yeah, now one of these misses yesterday, so so the, the tracking was Garibay went 6 for 11, Liram Hyrulah who went 4 for 11. Yeah. Uh, Garibay, if you exclude the mojo moment kicks, uh, Hyrulah who was 3 of 8. He was awful yesterday. He was Where the bad. day before, he was better. He was. So, so this is now, I'm not trying to, I'm just saying this, as close as Mike McCarthy plays games during the season, you better figure out the kicking yeah, situation. Yeah, this, this is a coach that was willing to let a, a game against the Chargers come down to a 58-yard field goal. Yeah. A, a, this, this is a coach who is comfortable letting this game say, hey, let's play things a little bit more conservative. We'll, we'll, conservatively down the stretch, we'll let this game come yeah. down to, you know, uh, to, to, to the field goal game. Uh, you're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Uh, Brian, next up, I, I want to touch on this receiver discussion. So as we know, uh, James Washington went out uh, with a Jones fracture. He'll be out six to ten weeks. I Talking to some folks, it sounded like the anticipation is, I, I don't know if you've heard this, sound like the anticipation was a little bit closer to the further end. Yeah. They we're talking more like ten weeks instead yeah. of six. Yeah. Um, but with James Washington out now, this is Stephen Jones had already told uh, 105 through the fan in Dallas, told uh, one of our shows there that, uh, you know, they were already looking at receiver before Washington got hurt. Now James Washington has got hurt, so you would assume that, okay, they're going to be out there, they're going to be looking. I know you guys got to talk to uh, Cowboys owner and general manager Jerry Jones on G-Bag Nation yesterday. In fact, uh, let's play that clip real quick here, uh, and then we'll react to it. What makes you so confident that you don't need to go find another wide receiver? Let's do a little football here, and that's amongst the news items. Well, confident may not be the word, but okay. but what is the word is that uh, there is progress stopping in everything. And uh, this does give this group, until uh, uh, yesterday, have certainly shown spurts or shown plays that they deserve to stay in consideration. And so we really need to look to, first of all, that's what we've got in hand is this group of receivers. And we've got some receivers that can do some, have shown they can do some good things and are doing more things today than they did yesterday. And so uh, uh, Tobert leads the list of the young ones that I'm talking about. Let's give these guys a chance. I don't want to be out here pushing, be aggressive as far as being going outside, looking at what free agents right now or otherwise. So I don't, I don't think it's urgent at all. Uh, I think we've got a lot of ways to throw the ball and a lot of people that can get it and um, uh, uh, possibly uh, that could do good. Maybe it'll cause more balls to go Lamb's way. Maybe that ought to be done. Uh, Sometimes when he's uh, not necessarily the right guy to go to because of the coverage, maybe that'll cause another ball to go his way. Why not? How much more of that is as a receiver for Tony Pollard? You mentioned C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz, and Pollard as big reasons why you don't want to go out and maybe bring in a receiver right now. Would you like to see him used as more of a receiver? Well, are we counting our, our um, out-of-the-backfield throws and, and uh, sweeps and screens? and I mean, uh, the, the throw on the sweep. Uh, that, to me, is the ideal way to maximize getting the ball to him cleanly so that he can do what? Tuck it and do his thing and go. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of experience. Well, we don't. Uh, but I don't have the vision of him going up and making the catches in the middle and uh, going up on the sideline down the field and those kinds of things. And uh, frankly, let's be candid, he hasn't spent a lot of his career preparing himself to do that. Right. So uh, where I see his receiving, could he uh, do crossing routes up a storm? I think he's got the kind of hands. Make no mistake, he can really catch the ball. 
So, Brian, uh, you listen to Jerry there. Sounds he, – he wants this to be a, a chance for the young guys to compete, but you, you thought James Washington was important enough that you signed him several months ago and thought you needed him for that. Uh, you've got no Michael Gallup. Uh, to start the season on, in all likelihood, you, you, you're not going to have James Washington, and you're you're going through a lot of different changes now. We've seen a ton of first-team reps for Dennis Houston. Uh, we're seeing Vasher get in there, Noah Brown. We'll circle back to that in a second, but what do you take from what Jerry says about, you know, hey, we're, we're going to let these young guys figure it out? You know what? I can totally understand. Now, when Jerry Jones says something about his personnel, it's talking to Will McClay. It's talking to Mike McCarthy. It's talking to the position coach. So Jerry's not on his own going to come up and say, hey, we got to do something uh, at wide receiver. Uh, This is a group that has a lot of discussion. I've worked in that room before. I know how this all works. So with that being said, uh, I think Jerry's looking at a a couple different angles here. One is you could feel like that Washington was a bridge – to get you to Gallup. Yes. And maybe Gallup is further along than people know. So their their sense of urgency to bring in a receiver is not that strong because of Gallup. Maybe they feel like Gallup will miss the first game. Let's see what happens the second game. Yep. The next thing that you could feel about it with this situation is that they really do love their young guys. They really do want to see what, in fact, that they can get from Vasher, what they, you know, what they can get from uh, Tolbert. You know, they, they do believe that. They want to see that. You know, Noah Brown has stepped up, you know, six-year vet. You know, he's never had a really a primary role, but maybe they're like, well, let's just see. Maybe this is when the light comes on for him in that way, and you get it like you got Cedric Wilson last year. Yep. That type of thing. So, I or... They're also in a situation uh, where they don't particularly like anybody that's on the street right now, yes, I think and they, that's a and big they particularly don't want to trade for anybody. And you know, I've reached out to a bunch of my my friends around the league and tried to get names, names like Darius Slayton, uh, Denzel Mims, Jalen Rager, Preston Williams. These are names that my buddies around the league are saying, "Hey, if you're going to go trade for a guy." Maybe those would be where it's at. Now, yesterday, uh, they lost Chester Rogers, who uh, we talked about was going to sign with the Houston Texans. We were on top of that. Yeah, we were, we're ahead of Chester top. Rogers so, so, a month ago. Talking yeah, about exactly. Exactly. You know, and then, you know, that's kind of where, you know, and then Will Fuller. Well, I asked somebody in the organization about Will Fuller, and I said, uh, hey, you know, is Will Fuller just too banged up all the time? And the answer I got was, he's hurt a lot yeah. and I can't bring somebody in that's hurt a lot yeah which so, I, I think is something that you and I you, as you astutely pointed out the buzzword this year at camp for them is availability yeah that, that's a big reason why they did Lyle Collins Randy Gregory and Amari Cooper aren't there to them they want people who are available especially when you talk about look we need a bridge to Michael Gallup yeah and and if we don't have that bridge to Michael Gallup um you, you know, if we go out and sign somebody and then they immediately get hurt and it just puts us back in the same cycle, right. this, this is wasted time. Yeah, you don't want to spend $4 million on Will Fuller and then have him get hurt and then you can't use him when you absolutely need him and now that's a cap problem. I mean, they've got cap money. Don't 
I don't please don't come after me because they, I know they have. Cat Ryan money. understands you guys, but I, I will say this: he though, also knows what a sluggo is. Yeah, I heard I heard some whispers yesterday uh, out at the tennis court where we we work, mm-hmm. and Stephen Jones was telling some folks that there's a couple of guys out there that are not healthy right now or not ready for camp or getting in shape that they're looking at. Now, I'm not saying this is Odell Beckham because that one's not until November. That, yeah. that's, that's a way off the one. So we need to kind of figure out who is out there that is getting in shape or getting ready to be in shape so they could possibly work them out and bring them in. That's a whisper that I heard yesterday from somebody in the organization. Talking about the guys that are here now that they're looking at, that they're banking on, that they want to see how they perform. Uh, let's run through some of these names real quick and just what we've thought of them overall. Uh, I personally, I was really excited about Jalen Tolbert the first week of camp. I had him as one of my winners. These first two days of practice, the pads have come on, and I felt like he's been pretty anonymous. He, he made a nice catch on a deep crosser. Uh, in seven-on-seven seven yesterday, but team period, he's not really done much at all. And yesterday, no. he, he had a he had to go up, high point a ball, and he dropped it. Yeah, um, it, it wasn't an easy catch, but it's a catch he needs to make, especially if he's going to be a starter. Um, so Tolbert, Tolbert, disappointing to you at all since these uh, these pads have come on? Yeah, that's where you know th- this is kind of a disadvantage that you have with watching practice too. Mike McCarthy doesn't do a lot of one-on-one stuff. You know, no, usually, it's not like Garrett. Yeah, usually with Garrett, you would get a period or two periods of one-on-one where you could see receivers working against defensive backs, you know, with no line, but they're the ball and then making catches and separation. I think Mike McCarthy doesn't want his guys to get embarrassed, whether it's offense or defense. It's a weird – I'm trying to kind of figure out why he doesn't do any one-on-one stuff, but it might be that he just doesn't want to show that to people in the stands or people watching or the media. And then we make a big deal about, you know, uh, uh, Kelvin Joseph getting co- uh, toasted or right. or Tolbert not catching any balls. So I think that he does that to maybe protect his players a little bit from the eyes of the media. Maybe when we get back to the, to the star and we're not – watching practice and they're working on maybe you'll see some of that one-on-one oh, stuff yeah, they, now they work on a lot of stuff that they don't let us see yeah in yeah. fact during the regular season just to to you know pull back the curtain a little bit i, I think sometimes fans assume like we're standing out there at practice every day for the full practice we're no, not not at during all. the regular season they let us see about 15 to 20 minutes and in, it's in that, stretching in that 15 to 20 minutes you really can't see much at all yeah, yeah. It's stretching maybe a couple of you know routes against air yeah but it's kind of the point like even under uh mike mccarthy the, the quarterbacks, 95% of the time, will not come out until we go inside. Yeah. So we don't see Dak most days. Yeah. We, and, and I think that's to avoid things like, you remember when Dak got the shoulder hurt before right. the Eagles game in 2019? Right. And we were all out there going, what's he going to do? It's, I think it's just to avoid things like yeah. that, probably. Yeah. They, know, they know the optics well, of the quarterback. and Well, we don't see the one-on-one, which would give us a good evaluation of really how far maybe these receivers are. Yeah. You know, and it has to come in the... Uh, seven-on-seven periods. It has to come in the team periods. It has to come in the uh, red zone periods. And to your point about Tolbert, you know, just the first couple of practices, you kind of expected a a lot more, and you've gotten just a little taste of of, of what he can do. We've mentioned Fajoko, Brown, and uh, uh, T.J. Vasher as guys that have have stood out. Houston Houston has got a lot of work. Houston's getting a lot of opportunities. I want to circle back to him, but just really quickly on Fajoko, Brown and Vasher, how would you stack those in terms of what you think you've seen from them? Like your preference for, hey, I yeah. think I'd like this guy to be getting snap. You know, I'd like this guy to get snaps when the regular season starts. I, I think what you you look at is it's been Brown, yep, 
I think it's been Vasher, and then I think it's been Simi Pahoko. Simi, I think the one thing about Simi is that Simi does find a way to put himself in position to make plays. They had a, a tip ball the other day. Schultz, yep. he threw a ball to the flat. It went off Schultz's hands. He happened to be standing there. Good reactions to, to make the catch. But all three of those guys, when you when you say, you know, you, I think Brown clearly has been the best. Could you flip Fajoko and Vasher? Sure. Either way. Just, you know, throw a blanket over them and, and you got the guys. But yeah. I, I clearly think that Brown has been the best of those three. Yeah, I, I, and I'd agree with that. On this front with Dennis Houston, because I think there are a lot of people asking us questions about it. Look, yesterday when they got into team period, they started out with two tight ends, McEwen and uh, Dalton Schultz. Yeah. And when they were out there with the two receiver sets with James Washington out, it was not Tolbert in there at first team. No. It was Houston and Lamb. Yeah. So there, there's something they like about Dennis Houston. Well, I haven't noticed him as much. Even when yeah. he's been in their first team reps, I really haven't seen a lot from Dennis Houston that made me go, oh, wow, he's popping. I thought Brandon Smith has popped more. Yeah, he made a catch on the outside. I thought that Joseph was going to knock the ball down on an out, and it just somehow, some way, Houston made the play, I believe, going away. And so, you know, that's kind of the stuff you see with him. The question was asked to Mike McCarthy about with the way the receivers are, do you have to do you have to kind of say what players deserve reps with Dak? Yeah. So Mike McCarthy was making it sound like that if you're going to get work with Dak, you're going to get it by earning reps, earning those reps. So Evidently, they feel like that Houston has earned the right to take reps with Dak. Yeah, and I mean, look, like like I mentioned, we got to see what they had eight practices over the spring, and, and we got to see three of them, uh, yeah. or, or three out of like ten. So to be fair, there's a lot of stuff like like they were working with Tyler Smith at left tackle before we ever got a chance to see it. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, it could be that Dennis Houston's doing a lot in some of these practices that we're not able to see. Brian, I'll ask you to look into your crystal ball with with no James Washington, with Michael Gallup in all likelihood not ready for the start of the season. I, I think it's obviously Lamb. Uh, it's Tolbert. Who do you think is the third receiver that's going to get the majority of the reps week one against Tampa Bay? kind of feel like right now it's got to be Noah Brown. I'm with you on that. Yeah, and I, I don't – but they're going, to, they're going to manipulate this where it turns into Noah Brown – but it also turns into Pollard. It turns into Schultz. It turns in. I mean, they're going to try and play formations that allow uh, them to play around potentially not having another receiver on that field. Yeah, I think that you know what you end up seeing probably is a lot of uh, a lot of twelve personnel. Yeah, I'd bet. Game initially, one. game initially, one, I yeah. bet. I bet there's a lot of twelve personnel yeah. against uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, you're listening to the Love of the Star. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brian, uh, we're going to transition over now to the Twitter mailbag portion of the show where uh, our, our loyal, lovely listeners uh, turn into the the interviewer. Uh, first question here, since we were just talking about the, the receiver issue, 
I, I think this will make for a good transition here. Shane is asking us, how many receivers will the Cowboys carry and who will be the receivers that make it? So are you feeling like Gallup starts the season on pop or do you think he's going to – because it, basically the, the question comes down to do they think he'll be ready inside of the first four weeks of the season? If they do, probably doesn't go on pop. I mean, definitely doesn't go on pop. Yeah. If they think it's going to be minimum four weeks, then he's on pop. Uh, so yeah. I, 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 my anticipation at this point is that he doesn't go on pop. I don't know about you. If, if he goes on pop, I think Houston makes the team. If he doesn't go on pop, I think it's, I think that's the the switch because I think they're going to keep Fajoko. I think it's going to come down to me like, and we'll see what happens though with Turpin. Because what if Turpin, and, and right now I kind of have him on the team as the returner, but what if Turpin gets into these preseason games and he does what Lance Lenore did? Remember Lance Lenore? And muffs the punt. Muffs a punt, muffs another punt, then all of a sudden he just plays himself off this team. So That's, I that's think, possible. I think Turpin has to show that he can can be the primary punt returner. And look, they wanted Dowdle to be the kick returner a couple of years ago. Right. If he's healthy, Dowdle could be the return guy in the kick game. And we've seen Tolbert catching punts. And right. so I think they're at least preparing contingencies. Right now, though, I'm leaning to they they went ahead and, and made a move to bring Turpin in here. So I'm going to assume he is here. Um, and, and he's looked dynamic, shifty out there. He gives Seven them, on seven, he caught some balls yesterday. He gives, them, he gives them something, honestly, that like they really don't have on the team outside of him. Right. He, I mean, he's got speed, quickness. He's very shifty. Right. So I think six receivers with Gallup off of Pup, but not ready to start the year. I'm going to say Gallup, Turpin, Lamb, Tolbert, and then... Oh, Bahoko or Houston? Well, well then you got to put Brown. Noah Brown's going to be on here. Brett Brown's on that team. So yeah. then it's... Bahoko, Houston, or Vasher? Yeah, that's Chris yeah. likes Vasher. Yeah. Huh. Do you dare carry seven receivers? No, hell no. Just for the first couple weeks until you can get Gallup back? Well, the plan is because if you... Terp, if Gallup's not ready and Turpin's not a genuine receiver, I mean, you're talking about having four receivers. Right well, here. maybe then Turpin just becomes the guy that Bones Fossil fights for and they go light somewhere else. All of a sudden, you're not carrying three quarterbacks. You're that's, carrying two. That, you know, that that could that very well you know, could or you be. go or you don't go four tight ends you only go three yeah okay so so I think we we are in agreement of Brown Tolbert Lamb Gallup being on the active roster to start right. the year we're we in agreement that Turpin's on this team for right now yes because he's going to be your primary return so then there there's some handful of Fajoko, uh Houston and and Vasher who's going to fight for the final spot yeah yep. Um. All right. Uh, next question here. Comes. Or it might be they have to go out and get some legitimate. You know, if all yeah. those guys don't show up at the back end. And, and and just jumping back to what we talked about earlier about what it what was Jerry basically saying about the receiver group. I think the point you made, uh, the final point you made, is the one that I think it's close to, which is there's nobody here we like. Right. So we're gonna let them play things out through camp as we get closer to the season. We'll either reevaluate who gets cut, or right. then determine if we want to give up capital to trade for something. Exactly. Exactly. So I just think it's a they might have a defensive tackle or two, or a defensive end that they could ship for player for player. Oh, I I think I I had said this before camp. Quentin Bohanna, Carlos Watkins, Tristan Hill, uh, Terrell Basham. I think you very easily could see three of those four off of this team, and all four of those guys. I think all three of them end up on NFL rosters after they no leave question. here. And no so question. you've got uh, plenty of NFL players yeah. 
on the defensive line. Uh, Vincent is asking uh, for a Terrence Steele update. He says, is no news good news? Make me feel good about our right tackle situation. I know that was kind of your position is that you yeah. hadn't really watched him yeah. and you hadn't noticed him much. And so it's kind of, you know, well, I guess no news is good news. I know you got a chance to watch him a little bit more closely yesterday. What were your thoughts on Yeah, that? I felt like there were a couple of times where, and of course this is going to happen, Michael Parsons is going to expose you for what you are. Sure. And Micah beats Tyrant from beats, time to Yeah, time. exactly. So I thought there was a couple of different times. I didn't notice him killing him in the running game. I didn't see when the ball was to his side. I felt like he was into his man. Uh, he wasn't holding. He wasn't off balance. Um, I still feel like, though, if again, if we had this one-on-one stuff, it would be the Twitter world would light up with nightmare scenarios of, oh, my gosh, did you see what happened to Steele? Oh, my gosh, you see what just happened there? So I think they're doing a really good job of protecting him. But, again, keeping an eye on him, it hasn't been bad. But there's been, when you see quick pressure at times from, say, Parsons or, say, from Fowler, it's off that right side right there. Yeah, yeah. Now, now that that is the case, but I, I think it's kind of the question there. No news is good news. I, right. I think I think in this instance, it's a little bit like a uh, like like an, an MLB umpire yeah. or an NFL referee, where it's like if I don't notice you, that's probably okay. Sure. Right. Um. It doesn't mean he's being dominant or anything else. It just means that it's not standing out. I'm not seeing him fall to the ground. Like, right. like we notice when Connor McGovern falls down right? or when Josh Ball falls down and Steele has fallen. It's like yesterday. We, we noticed Zach Martin falling down. Yeah, uh, when to- linemen are on the ground, it's generally not a pretty good thing. And so I haven't seen a lot of that from Steele, yeah. which at least is, is a, a That's good- encouraging that from yes. that aspect. Uh, AJ Navarro is asking, uh, pretty good little hypothetical here, Looking at it now, would you rather have Jake Ferguson or Cade York, who has not missed at Brown's training camp, including a 60-yarder? After Boy, we saw those kickers yesterday? That's a very good and, – and I'm I'm biased because Cade some York – good listeners. Good question. Yeah, that's a very good question. Cade York, by the way, kicked at my alma mater there at LSU. And so, you know, I've seen him make huge field goals. And so, I, you know what? I as much as they like Jake for and Jake Ferguson hasn't been terrible. No, he's you know, been okay. He's you know he's dealing with a little bit of hamstring right now. Physically, he looks bigger than I thought he did at at Wisconsin. I think so, he looks bigger than he did the first week. I think of I think I think he's probably been working out yeah. that whole time getting ready for training camp. But yeah, I man, I'll tell you what, <laughs> there there's something to that. And I and if you tell me that I could have a surefire kicker over a guy that's likely now he might Ferguson might end up being the starting tight end in 2023 sure but boy I'll tell you if I could have my kicker right now I'd sure like to have my kicker because what I've seen from this group so far doesn't give me a whole hell of a lot of confidence which by the way back over to the like just kind of referencing for the tight end discussion I thought another guy who did kind of flash a couple times yesterday was that Indiana tight end they liked, the undrafted free agent. I yeah. thought Peyton Hendershot, Hendershot and, had a couple and, of good plays. And he, yeah. got, and he got in some seven-on-seven seven with Dak, and, yeah. and Dak looked like he felt comfortable. Well, they were short on tight ends. He, he, had, yeah. the, he had that, uh, I can't remember what route he was running, but he ended up on the, the far right sideline and, and kind of, you know, tiptoed in and, yeah. and made well, they had a they had, Yeah, they, 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 you know, the one thing that Dak, I feel like the Dak and Schultz are back to being, not back to, because they've always had that connection. But Dak seems to know where Dalton Schultz is. A lot yeah, of and, and we, we talked about the other day. That's probably, if you made a say, yeah. 
from the 10-yard line, final play, who do you want? You're probably looking at a route for Schultz, knowing how yeah. the quarterback trusts him. And they did. They the did. mojo yeah. moment. The mojo we, moment, We yeah. called it. If you, you guys could have been listening, you, you could have seen that in advance. Uh, question here from Stevie JPTX. How big of a difference is the gap in depth between the offense and defense? The D seems to have significantly more depth. They do. They do because I think the corners are pretty deep. I think the safeties, safeties are, are in a better position than they've been in a long time. Linebacker, we're, we're still Vanderish, not sure. I'll tell you what, though. Vanderish, Vanderish has been really good. He's been really good. And, and Jabril Cox has shown up. Yep. Parsons has been good. We already talked about the defensive line being deep. So, I mean, yeah, they, they've got pretty good depth across the board. Um, I think all teams are starving for offensive line depth across the league, so I don't know that I necessarily well, think Well, it's a shame that. that Well, Let's Go isn't practicing because Ball is holding his own right now. But, yeah, I mean, you know, what's happened a little bit with the guard spot, though, we'll see. The backup guard, I don't think the depth, the wide receiver depth is really kind of, nobody's really just, I mean, Noah Brown, we've talked about those guys, but it hasn't been like, man, if Tolbert would have just jumped, if Tolbert would have been jumping. so much better. If Tolbert would have jumped, then you wouldn't be talking about going and maybe needing a receiver or something like that. It would have been, we're just fine, just keep going. But I'll tell you what, I mean, the the I think there's more talent on the defense, especially the backup spot. But if you look at like, okay, for example, say the running back, we talked about Rico Dowdle. You know, I mean, look at look at him as a third running back right now. And he's playing like he's he's playing like he's a, kind of a one B. Uh, honestly, he he has Two? got he. I have seen Rico Dowdle get more carries in practice than Pollard. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's kind with, of like, with the first team offense. The, the depth is. I think it overall the depth is good on defense. On offense, I think it's a little bit spotty. In, in Where players. what's the deepest position on offense for you? Is running back or tight end? Probably. Yeah, I would. I would say that, yeah. Because they like McEwen. Yeah. Ferguson's look good. Hendershot's look good. Sprinkle was solid I'll for tell you last what, year. The backup quarterback's rush has thrown way too many interceptions. I mean, yeah, he, I, I think he, he has, threw a ball yesterday, too, and it was on that mojo moment. And uh, I he think threw it's, it to 40. Yeah, Jawan, Jawanye. Wanye Thomas. Wanye Thomas. Yeah, from yeah. Georgia Tech. Yeah, Wanye Thomas, all of a sudden I'm like, Wanye Thomas is out in the flat by himself, and all of a sudden, Cooper Rush just throws him the ball. Threw him the ball. And I'm like, going, what the hell just happened there? For you, has Will Greer been better than Rush? I mean, none I, of them have been great. I, but I, I, feel like- the, I don't think any of the backup quarterbacks have shown me. I mean, Cooper Rush has made a couple of throws. And Cooper Rush hit, Cooper Rush hit the first deep ball we've seen. It was right. a little underthrown, but he hit Fogo. But not to the point where I'm like, man, I feel really great about but, this. But we also have seen him win an NFL but, game, an NFL yeah, road game. And exactly, but he's time, thrown so. some stupid interceptions, though, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's 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 not been great, but, I mean, you know, it's the old uh, Tom Moore line yeah. about the Colts. If, if 18 using, goes down, we're effed. We yeah. don't practice effed. We don't practice effed. If, if you lose Dak, then it, I don't think it really matters who your backup quarterback is. So, uh, But but would you agree with that? Running back, tight end, those are the areas of yeah. depth probably on offense. Right. I, I think that that's uh, where, it, where it's at. Um Next question here from Hampton Slays. Uh, he says, it seems like Nashawn Wright is outplaying Kelvin Joseph. Is he that is. true? He, he is. is. He, he absolutely is. is. He absolutely is. And that's somebody who we didn't get to see a lot of in the spring practices. In fact, I don't think we saw him at all. Yeah. Um, he, when we'd see him, it was just he was coming out to ride the bike. Yeah. Um, he had some injury nagging him. Um, but, you know, we talk about T.J. Vasher being really good. He played on last Friday. He played a, 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 a back fade into the, the, the back pylon on TJ Vasher and Vasher got up, got his hand and right with that link, got yep. his hand up in there. Yep. 
disrupted the ball. What have you thought about him? I mean, obviously, like the size and, and some of those contested catchers, but what have you thought about his coverage ability overall? He's had a couple picks in this camp. Yeah, you know, when they were in T-shirts and helmets, they were fourth and fourth down right on the goal line, fourth and four, and they tried to fit the ball inside, and he was able to knock the ball down. You talk about the length and stuff. I think he's been to the to the Texas uh, point uh, that he has been a much better player than what we've seen with Kelvin Joseph. I had some questions about him and making the team and all that. He he he. Now we'll see when we get into these practices where with other teams, other teams, and we'll also see what happens when we get in these games. But right now, man, he is he is much better than what Kelvin Joseph has been. A uh, question from El Moreno. He says, center has been a concern the last two years. How are Biotish and Farniak holding up this far now that the pads came on? I haven't noticed Farniak. The only time I've noticed Farniak is guard they some. gave him some guard snaps. Yeah. And, and with the pads on, I saw him get beat some on Monday at guard. The, the interior of the line has had their problems. Biotish has, has had some struggles. Biotish has, has been on the ground a couple times. But like we've talked about before, Biotish has steadily gotten better the entire time he's been here for two years. If you look from game one onward, I think you always see he's steadily getting better every, yeah. you know, four to five games or so. Their biggest issue is we've talked about this offseason. They want to know that he can be the quarterback right. of the offensive line. They want that football IQ to be there. And I don't think we're going to totally know that kind of no. stuff. Not us. They may have an idea of it, but we're not going to, sure. I feel like, know that until, you know, potentially we're, we're into the season. Yeah. But Farniak, I, I haven't really noticed him much other than the guard. How, did, I, noticed him more, I noticed him more in OTAs and minicamps. I've noticed him here. Yeah, I, I think that's the same. And for again, me. the lack of one-on-one stuff, you you're not getting a real feel for some of these guys. Brendan O'Neill asking, "Who is this year's Cedric Wilson of the receiving core? Last year, we didn't expect that kind of year from Cedric. So, who could be that surprise wide receiver? I think in terms of ability, like their natural talent, I think the only guy who has a chance to, I know you hate this term, the ceiling. Right. I think somebody who's got a, I think the highest ceiling guy due to his traits, to me at least." is Simi Fajoko. Yeah. I think Fajoko's the guy that if he their, – their biggest thing with him is just consistency. But I think you've seen big-bodied guy, a guy who's got pretty good speed for how big he is, a really good athlete, strong hands. I mean, he's he's a tough cover when everything's clicking for him, you know, really well. Uh, I mean, Kelvin Joseph, we've talked about it. I mean, we, we know he's got his issues off the field and he's got to be more consistent. But he's a very talented – he was a first-round type of talent – and he's done really well to, to you know, Fajoko has done really well to beat him really consistently throughout this camp. So I, I don't know about for you. For me, I think that it's it's Simi Fajoko is the guy that strikes me as the potential to be a Cedric Wilson type. I kind of feel like, though, that watching Vasher play, that he's got a chance. If everything kind of comes together for him yes. because of his size, maybe not the all-around player that Cedric Wilson was. But maybe that these again practices games that they kind of figure out a, a role for him, yes. and you see him develop a little bit more there. Which, uh, in fact, I, I've mentioned this before that uh, Robert Prince is a is a really big fan of bigger wide receivers. Yeah, and you when you hear them out there in these practices, that's one of the things that when you get in these position group drills, you can kind of get over there. You can listen to the coach talk. The value in that is you can hear some of their you know what they're saying to the guys. He is always talking really highly about T.J. Vasher, mm-hmm. and I, I tweeted this out the other day. Robert Prince last year talking to HoustonTexans.com when he was the receivers coach. They asked him, what do you look for in a receiver? He says, get open and catch the ball. That means a lot of different things to certain people. If I'm a smaller person, I probably need to create a little bit more separation. He says, if I'm a big guy, 
I might have someone on me, and I'm still open because of my catching radius. Right. So that tells you Prince believes you don't even necessarily have to be open to make a catch, and, and you can tell that he feels that way about T.J. Vasher. Final question for you here, Brian, and I think you're the perfect guy to ask this question. Uh, True asks, can you guys explain that catcher's interference call in the eighth inning of the <laughs> Rangers-Angels game on Sunday? I don't know about that. that for, was for those of you that don't know, uh, our 105 through the fan teammate, Jared Sandler, we, we prank called him on Sunday driving back for, from the Angels game. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're now, what, two-time G-Bag of the Day champion? Two-time. Two times. Time. And I'm so glad uh, we, we didn't uh, – I, I don't have to hear the uh, Kurt Warner sluggo video anymore. Yeah. We don't have to hear any more of that. I helped um, you on that one. Which I got, I got a lot of questions. You did. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. We got a lot of questions from people asking today uh, what a sluggo is. So, you know, just in the spirit of like to say we answered y'all's questions since five yesterday. Brian, tell everybody what a sluggo is real quick. Slant go. Slant and go. So you, you, you hit that slant, sell the slant. And then sell it and then take off. Hard cut to the outside. There you go. Run that go route. Uh, Brian, I've enjoyed it. We got one more of these uh, while you're still out here at camp. Right. I'll continue to be out here through the 10th, um, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll be remote at that point. Um, but look forward to see some more of these practices. And, and uh, coming up this week, I know one of the things that we'll talk about on, on our final episode this week is an update on where some of these position battles that's are. A good, that's a good place to finish for the week, I think. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday.